My guest today is Matt Teal. Matt is a financial advisor, a coach, a best-selling author, and professional speaker. He does it all, folks, but his specialty is providing comprehensive insurance strategies. Matt is here today to talk about life insurance and how to bring forth a holistic plug-and-play strategic outline for insurance strategies and help with discover, design, underwriting, placement, and service for clients and business partners alike. Lots of great information in this episode. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. All right, Matt Teal, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here and uh, talk about your journey and some of the things you're doing in this industry. But what's exciting for me is you're in your 20th year in the financial service business. And for all the listeners here, I always like them to understand where you started to where you are. So give us a little color on where you started. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to hear that it's been 20 years. Uh, it sounds like a really long time. And it is a long we've time. Covered, covered a lot of ground in those 20 years, but it seems like it's flown by. I started in college. I was interning in a wirehouse, learning the financial advising business, learning what financial planning was, learning really what wealth management was. Um, I was focusing on being in the in finance. I didn't know if it was going to be financial services or investment banking or corporate finance. So that was a really good introduction into what financial advisors do. And I was recruited to Barnum, took, took, a, took a meeting and walked in the door and it felt like home. And that's really how I landed here. My career really evolved because I started building a financial advising practice and over time was drawn kind of as a skeptic to the insurance side of the practice. And I like to, to use that word skeptic because I was really apprehensive about going to a place where insurance was a prominent part of the environment, was a prominent part of the conversation that was happening at the client level. And so I was cautious as to where that fit into my business model initially. And I think that's a really important backdrop because I had to prove to myself uh, internally that it, that it fit for clients, that it made sense for clients, and that it was a really valuable element of overall planning. Well, it's interesting that you said that, knowing your career very well, I never knew that story. And when we fast forward, it, you started becoming our, a life insurance wholesaler staff specialist as I saw the industry changing. You did that for advisors. So, but you had already experienced that. And so what happened when you were a skeptic? What, what clicked and what made you think that, oh my God, this is, uh, this is good stuff? Yeah, I had to come to it on my own. So I'm a pretty intellectual person, pretty analytic. And so I think through the process of financial planning and doing financial planning with clients, learning about their goals, their aspirations, their dreams, their concerns, I really had to understand that insurance played a really vital role in basic financial planning all the way through the spectrum to more advanced financial planning for high net worth individuals, business owners, and, and all different types of clients. I think the, the point you made about working with advisors, it was really critical for me to come from that perspective because yeah. the reason that we transitioned into my role into, into wholesaling or working with advisors with their clients 
is that most advisors, even in our organization, were really focusing more and more on wealth management. And part of the challenge was that that became the, you know, the primary uh, modus of, of what they were doing in terms of the planning with their clients. And we wanted to ensure that the insurance planning wasn't falling by the wayside. So having come to insurance naturally, proving to myself empirically that it worked, that it made sense, how to do it correctly in the context of overall financial planning was really critical for me to be able to, to relate to advisors. Yeah. I mean, I have a whole different story about you now on that skeptic side, which is really cool, which is really cool. So you were a financial advisor for about five years. Yes. And then you went into more of this specialist wholesaling role and, uh, there's a, the insurance business is confusing. There's a lot to it. And what was some of the first things you did when you got into that role? Yeah. Well, I think the confusing part of it candidly is probably a big part of the draw for me. I think that what made me passionate about going into the insurance side of the house was that it insurance is probably one of the more misunderstood and misapplied elements of financial planning. I agree. And so I kind of try to embrace the mission of changing the perspective, both with clients, but also, in, and this is increasingly true now today, with advisors around what quality insurance advice is, means, um, and how it should be deployed in the context of a financial plan with clients. And so when I started, I started having conversations with advisors around the type of work that they were doing with their clients it was radically similar to the conversations that I was having with my own clients immediately before that. So it was a pretty easy transition into doing the similar type of work, just showing them how we had been utilizing insurance as a tool in, in a financial plan with a client and, and really, you know, generating great results with it. So let me ask a question. When you think of the word wealth management is, is a big buzzword in our industry today. And when you think of people building big books. And obviously the market's been very different the last couple of years. Is it hard for the advisor to be all things to all clients? Is there a lot of them that are really effective at that today? Do you, or do you think that the model that you're building and what you're doing for FAs is really the future of our industry? Well, I certainly hope it's our, the future because we've really built and engineered our business around this idea that it is, it is very difficult for an advisor to be proficient and be an expert in all areas of planning. I agree. I, I think the other thing is that it would be very rare for an advisor to be passionate about all elements of planning as well. And one of the things that I think has become really important to me is to align things that you're good with, with things that you're passionate about, because it never gets old doing it. And so from my perspective, it is really hard to be a great wealth manager, a great asset allocator, a great comprehensive financial planner, a great client manager, a great relationship manager, and be a great insurance practitioner all in the same so person. as an entrepreneur, right? And, and be an entrepreneur and building a business and yeah. marketer and all the things that have to go into being in this, in this industry. And so from my perspective, I think that there's definitely this shift towards specialization and advisors and advisor teams have a decision to make. Do they, do they have someone or a team internally that they can rely on, that they can, uh, that they can integrate those, that element of planning. And in my case, it's insurance, uh, or, or does it make sense for them to outsource it with a practitioner and a team and a business that understands what they do for a living, the way that they interact with clients, the type of planning that they do, the type of challenges the clients are going to have, the types of you know pushback and objections that they're going to get from clients, 
and make that a seamless and integrated part of their overall practice. Yeah. So if I'm sitting on the other side, I'm that wealth manager, you know, I have my clients, I'm managing their assets, they're great clients, maybe I have a little insurance with them, but how's the best way for me to work with you, for you to show up and to make it really seamless to my client and for us to be really effective together? How does that work? And tell me, tell me how, like, give me a scenario when it's been the best for you. Yeah. I always use the word congruent. We try to to deliver congruent advice. And what that simply means from my perspective is you have a business model, you have an interaction with your client and a service model with your client. We try to evolve the way that we interact to, to be essentially an integrated piece in that. And, and that means different things for different advisors. Some advisors really want to be the front facing expert on all things. And so we really need to brush up the advisor up or the advisor's team up on concepts and solutions and why does this work the way it does, but they want to be having the conversations and they have the requisite expertise to be able to do that. They just need someone who has a, a, a sharp sword that is on the front lines and understands the kind of what's going on in the cutting edge to, to help train them. So let me just make sure I dummy that down for myself and for the people listening. So basically you're taking this complex industry and you're getting it really, really tight. And you're saying, here's what you should do for your client and here's why. And then they're going out and doing it on their own. So that's like number one. That's one way that we can, yep. we can deploy that. You, you asked when, when does it work the best? What I'm finding is that outsourcing works really well where we are operating in the role as the insurance advisor, again, plugged into their org chart. Yep. It's just an outsource part of their org chart. And what that empowers the advisor to do is to stay on the same side of the table as their client. And so they're, they're the client advocate. They're the ones who are controlling the wealth management of the financial plan. We collaborate behind the scenes to make sure that any solutions that we're devising, uh, strategies that we want to deploy fit in the context of the financial plan. But we have the burden of presenting it and answering the hard questions that come from the client and the advisor. And so, so that works so great because again, the advisor is aligned with the client in all those cases and really in the client's eyes, they continue to be their advocate, their trusted advisor who is vetting out any strategies that are deployed. And ultimately what works so well there is that the trust that the client has in the advisor is ultimately relayed to us because of the trust the advisor has in the work that we do. Well, it's interesting as you're saying it, I'm thinking about a medical practice, right? Where you go in and you need to have your knee fixed and they say, well, I'm going to give you this generalist versus your generalist refers you to the, the knee guy and you're doing the same thing. So as a client, it's got to be click in their mind and saying, I'm so glad that my advisor is not trying to do this on their own, but they brought in this person that this is what he does for a living. Absolutely. I think that that's the benefit of specialization is, is that the, ultimately the advisors buying into our experience doing this every day, that we are keeping abreast of what's going on in the industry and our thought leaders in the industry and are helping to collaborate to create innovation in the industry. And, and we do this type of work every single day. To use your analogy, you go to the knee guy because the guy does eight knees a day, yep. right? That's what we do. And it may not be complex. It may be basic and that's okay. But we know how to do everything from the basic stuff, blocking and tackling all the way up to the more advanced uh, strategies that are cutting edge and maybe only fit a small segment of the advisor's population that they won't deal with on a, on a daily basis. Yeah. I'll come back to another question, but let me ask this. When you said we, 
So, you know, we jumped ahead pretty quickly here, but tell us about your team. Yeah, I think that's a key. Learned a lot of that from watching you build your business is that you have to surround yourself with really talented, passionate professionals who do the right thing. And so we've built a business over the last number of years that really looks and feels a lot like a traditional brokerage general agency, but is much more bespoke white glove. And so we have a full team of of case managers, case designers, underwriters, product specialists, industry specialists in different disciplines that are really meant to align behind our deliverable and create value for the advisor in their interactions with their clients. Which is amazing. So you have so many different people interacting sometimes with one client or one advisor who's a client too. Absolutely. And I think that that's, uh, it's a microcosm of what I said before. I can't be an expert in everything. And recognizing that early allows us to say, I'm not going to be the subject matter expert in this particular discipline, but that's something that we run across all the time. So we really need someone that that is passionate and, and an expert in that area as part of our team that can that can fill that role. And, and ultimately the collective of that knowledge is is uh, born by the organization in totality. And I'm sure from a from an intellectual capital, it probably helps you a ton and them a ton having each other to bounce things off of and share things. So it's almost like a think tank that's ultimately giving the end user a better experience. Absolutely. And and that's one of the more gratifying things I think that I've always found about this industry. Again, for me, ultimately what drew me to this was I'm a lifelong learner. I love to learn. There's always something new that we run across in this business that we have to become an expert in or we have to develop expertise in or develop a market for. And, and so for me, that's really thrilling to always know that my day tomorrow, I might know something radically different than I, than I thought I knew today. Uh, and the, the business might take me to a place that I didn't even realize that it, that it would take me to. Yeah, it's interesting. It, that attracted me to the career too, um, being learning every day. But some people struggle with that because they want to make sure they know everything. And you can't, especially in the insurance space, it changes so rapidly that there's no way you can know everything. So I love hearing that about you. So let's talk about that. Like 2022, 2023, lots has changed from 2003 when you came in. So what's going on in the industry, but in the insurance space and, and what are you seeing right now happening? A lot. This is the insurance space is, I think, accurately been described as a very sleepy and stodgy industry. COVID made a lot of changes that the industry has been talking about for a number of years, especially on the technology front. So the first area that I would talk about is technology. Technology in innovation and insure tech is absolutely starting to percolate in the industry. It has actually been for a number of years and it's really accelerating now. So things like advancements to underwriting, which up until COVID, the underwriting looked exactly in 2019 as it did in two, in 2000 and 1980. Well, they got forced to make changes. Exactly. So we would go to these industry conferences and they would talk about how innovation in underwriting was coming. And for 10 years, I heard the same story. And then all of a sudden in March of 2020, the companies had to either implement or they were going to go out of business because for the listeners that haven't purchased life insurance, it typically involves someone coming into your house, sticking a needle in your arm and asking you a bunch of questions. Well, no one was letting any strangers in their house with needles in April of 2020. Sure. So it was a choice even of, with a mask, right? even with a mask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Too close for comfort then. So, so the decision for the industry was we're either 
not going to get any business this year, or we need to evolve rapidly. And so what we've seen is underwriting is dramatically different today than it was even three to four years ago. So that's a, a space that we've seen just very, very rapid change. And I think lasting change. And so the advent of technology will improve underwriting speed, underwriting friction for clients, what they have to do. And algorithms are now being used with data that's available that risk scoring can can be utilized instead of some of these traditional tests. So that's that's a big area. The interest rate environment drove quite a bit of of specific planning. So there was quite a bit of premium finance. Life insurance became very popular. We, we still do quite a bit of that in the right space. It's an evolving area because it is somewhat interest rate sensitive. So that's a place where we saw a massive run up in implementation. And uh, I would say a number of, I hate to refer to them as weaker players, but weaker players enter the space, not really understanding how to do it correctly. Well, I was just going to say that when you're in that environment and you don't know that stuff, it's more of a reason that you need a specialist. Absolutely. And and a lot of what we do is we work with advisors who who show us proposals that their clients are are, are being pitched and they say, you know, is, is this going to work? What, what should I be telling my clients this? So we we do. as a, That's also a fun part of my job. I get to see a lot of very good, solid planning. And I unfortunately get to see a, a quite a bit of, of presentation work that's being done by others that I think leaves a lot to be desired. Well, it's interesting that you say that. So you have a major advantage because you're seeing so many different advisors and you're working with so many different people that you're able to learn the good stuff, see some of the stuff that's not proper planning and share that with your own client, which could be an advisor. Absolutely. We've, we've always thought it was incumbent on us to try to distill best practices that we see and deliver those to advisors. Here's what we're seeing. We have a finger on the pulse of, of what other practitioners in our space are showing to their clients. So your client may see something like this. Here's how you react to it. And, and in our engagement with, with advisors, many of them specialize with very particular types of clients. And they've asked us to almost build playbooks for them. Here, here are the things that are probably going to go in front of your clients based on what who they are, what demographic they are, who's that. trying to approach them, just so that they can be informed about how to deal with that as an advisor. Because again, really, we're working with the client's trusted advisor. So they are the first line of defense when something comes up that the client wants another opinion on. And so for them to be informed is really important for them because they, have, of course, want to look like they're knowledgeable and they understand what they're looking at. And that's even more reason for them to have someone like you on speed dial because they don't have to figure out what to do then and waste hours and hours of research. They just pick up the phone. Absolutely. You or someone because, on the team. because chances are we've seen it. And if yeah. not, we see new, new stuff all the time. We have a, I think an appropriate frame of reference that we can digest and distill. What is, what is this that we're looking at that maybe is a variation on something that we have history with and give them an objective opinion as to is, is it solid? Is it not solid? And then I think probably every bit as much in importance Talk to them about, okay, this is a good strategy in a vacuum. Does this fit for your client? Because ultimately we want to make sure it ties back to the financial plan and all the other work that they're doing. Well, I think, I think for everyone listening, I think that's a critical thing. I always try to use the analogy of you bring your, your car's not running good. You bring your car in and you think it's, you know, maybe your oil lights on and they say, you know, they don't even look at your car and they say, oh, you need this. And then you're like, 
well, how do you even know? You didn't even look at the car. And I think that's what happens in our financial service industry. If you don't look at the plan to understand how the insurance or the wealth management fits into your goals and overarching thing, which is really hard. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, and this is again, something that I think has driven a lot of my, my purpose and passion around what we do is for better or for worse, the insurance industry does not have a stellar reputation. And so I've tried to, I've tried to take it upon myself to do what little I can to try to change the perception again, both with clients and other advisors that are not insurance practitioners around what a quality insurance advisor is. And part of what's driving that is exactly what you're saying, which is unfortunately in the insurance industry, there's a bunch of of solutions that are really hammers out looking for a nail. Yep. And, and so what's, what's gotten lost there is that tie back to an overall plan. What is, what, what are we really trying to accomplish for this client and something that something could make sense on paper in a vacuum, but does it make sense for this particular client? And is it driven by some sort of overall motivation and goal we're trying to achieve? Yeah. Cool. Um, I think that's really exciting. So let's go back to the product stuff. So premium financing, like as you said, was really moving quickly. Interest rates were at a different number than they are today. Today, it's still viable. But what other things are you seeing from a product perspective? Yeah, I think I think certainly still basic blocking and tackling, as I said before, we, I think, do a significantly higher volume than others might anticipate of basic income replacement, term life insurance, income replacement, disability income, Long-term care, I think, is going to be one of planning and the solution set around that. I will tell you that based on our research and the dialogues that we're having with both carriers, product manufacturers, and industry advocacy groups, there is a huge macro wave of long-term care planning that is going to come. And that is going to affect a demographic that it historically has not. And that is a much younger age demographic because there's a lot happening at the state levels in terms of creating a tax around those who do not have their own long-term care insurance. Yeah, they did that in Washington already. They did it in Washington. So the Washington Cares Act was kind of the model legislation. And there was a lot that happened in the Washington Cares Act that I think the states that are the follow-ons, and there's some big ones that are coming. So California is probably the next one to come. So massive population that will be impacted there. The bottom line is there's going to be a tremendous incentive for private clients to work with their advisors to determine should they have a private long-term care solution in place. And there likely will be a very significant tax motivation in order to do that planning. And and that conversation, which typically happens with 55, 60, 65, 70-year-olds, is now going to happen with 25, 30, 35, 40-year-olds because the the tax will not care what age you are. And if you think about it, if there's an income tax component to it, the younger I am, the bigger the tax ultimately will be because I have more years of income that it will be levied against. So I think long-term care product development and just the macro backdrop of that becoming more popular is going to be a huge second half of 2023 and 2024 and beyond theme that we're definitely going to see and that we're we're, we're spending a really significant amount of time and resources to, to make sure that we have best-in-class knowledge and, and solutions to empower advisors to have that conversation with their clients. At the top end of the market, private placement life insurance, kind of been in the news a little bit. A more strategic use of, of life insurance is absolutely in the dialogue. It's very much in the dialogue with us because we are working with primarily independent wealth managers. 
And so there's a, the, the, the advisor that's controlling the assets is definitely attracted to, to the strategic quality of that asset for a particular client set. But I think that at the end of the day, what's consistent with now versus in the past is clients care about their families. They care about their businesses. People rely on them. They rely on their income. And so it's okay to have really basic conversations around really quality, sustainable planning using products that have been around for a while, like term insurance and whole life insurance and those sorts of things. They still make sense today in the new world that we live in. Pretty awesome. So I want to go back to your uh, curiosity and your challenging of the insurance industry. But let's talk about a brand new advisor coming in. I know a lot of them are, I always used to ask the question, if you have to be on the investment and income side or the protection side, right? And they all want to be on the investment and income. And I would always say that the protection side is your responsibility. And someone like you gravitated to that dialogue, right? Well, I was like you, I gravitated. I love the conceptual part, the fun of packaging insurance up. So we get a 23-year-old young guy or young lady off the campus that feels that way. What should they do to like get those skill sets? Like, what did you do? And it, and I'm sure today's different 20 years later, but what should they do? Yeah, I think what's probably makes it a little bit easier now is that you have better access to information. So, so you can certainly brush up on conceptual information that has swung into a really interesting place because we have quite a number of practitioners who are what we call TikTok salespeople who are who are showing strategies on TikTok and in, on Instagram and YouTube that maybe you don't want to learn those, uh, or it's good to learn it for, <laughs> for for context because you you may run into it. But but I think that if if you have a thirst for knowledge, the great thing about the world today is that you can absolutely go access that information and brush up. I think that going back to kind of the fork in the road for advisors, where I'm being pulled maybe to the wealth management side or pulled to the insurance side. Let's face it, the wealth management side is sexier. It, it, it absolutely is. So I think that, again, aligning with people's passion, the reasons that I was passionate about life insurance is that it was a little bit of the contrarian path that I felt like there was some things that we could do to try to professionalize this side of the house and create an advice model that looks and feels a lot like the wealth management side. Yeah which didn't exist before and start to shift the narrative and the perspective of and perception of the insurance advisor. And I'll tell you, it's come full circle for me because when I made the transition from a more holistic practice to really focusing on this side of the house, I was really hesitant to tell people what I did. And now I say it proudly, right? And so I think that that's, I've really embraced it because I think that when I talk to advisors who are fabulously successful doing primarily wealth management and financial planning, there's a level of respect when they're talking to someone who has a commensurate level of experience and expertise in a parallel field. And I think that what's evolved over time is that there's such a huge opportunity for new advisors to focus on the insurance space because there's been such a huge explosion of wealth management, especially independent wealth management and migration out of the wirehouse world where they don't have resources available to them to do this. And I think there's a general recognition in the marketplace that their clients need insurance. They benefit from having a dialogue and having a trusted partner that they can rely on that will give their client objective advice 
tell them when their portfolio that, of insurance that they've accumulated over time is perfectly fine and that nothing needs to happen to it. Or conversely, tell them that there's problems with it yeah. and we know how to solve them. So I think that there's a tremendous opportunity for new advisors to embrace insurance as the focal point of their practice. Well, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about what you just said. And I think, you know, if you're listening right now, there's two things, two actions you might want to take. One is if you're a wealth manager and you're not really focused on the insurance business, you should be reaching out to Matt to outsource to him or someone on his team or someone like him, number one. But number two is 300,000 financial advisors. And my guess is 200,000 are probably more on the wealth management space, maybe even more. Every bit of that. Right. So if I'm a young advisor and kind of what you did, you had the foresight to do that way back after five years in the business. And you don't even have to go look for clients. You have to go look for advisors and they become the force multiplier for you if you have the skill set. So if you're out there and you're like, do I want to be a wealth manager? Do I want to be on what side? Think about what Matt did. He saw an opportunity in, a, in the white space and white space that has more people going that way. And the amount of, you know, we keep hearing the baby boomer wealth, but the wealth's just going to keep going. And there's so many more things to know on this side. And if you're a lifelong learner, what a great career path. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's also an element of you could even hyper-specialize. I'll go back to, to what I was saying about long-term care. There's so much uh, available opportunity coming in long-term care planning, which by itself is so complicated and state-specific that it requires deep expertise individually to be a good practitioner in that space. A new person could come in and focus just on long-term care planning and build an incredible career being a subject matter expert in that one silo of the insurance side of the financial planning house. Well, yeah, I, I agree. And it's interesting. I don't think people think of that opportunity because 15 years ago when products, whenever it was, when long-term care came out, there was lots of people that became specialists and you don't hear that today, but they're not, they're not seeing where the, where the puck's going. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, I think that what's different now is we have, there's the classic carrot and stick. The states tried to create a little bit of a carrot motivation to do long-term care planning through partnerships. Now they're going to use a stick, which means that if you don't do the planning, you're going to pay money to the state uh, for not doing it. So I think that we don't have, haven't had the backdrop that we have now currently in order to uh, engender significantly more momentum in that space. Yeah, it's amazing. So Matt, you know, you think about you, you know, you're a young man, you're just getting started in this business, you 20 years, but you're a baby, the knowledge you're gaining and what you've learned over these years, what's next for you? Like where, where do you see this going? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think, and this probably ties a little bit back to my comment about having such a tremendous opportunity for young advisors. We, we have more opportunity at our fingertips than, than we can possibly execute on. And so we really need advisors. So I think scaling is something that I think a lot about in terms of being able to take what we've built more to a broader audience and to a bigger population. And so I think that five years from now, we're going to try to grow this and really embrace whatever the new normal is in the insurance world and, and candidly try to lead some of that development. I think that that's probably one of the things that started to, to change for me is going from 
being a learner, an active learner, to being maintaining that learning element, but also trying to be a developer in the space. So I think adopting more technology, trying to be at the forefront of innovation in our industry is probably the next leg of, of really where we'll focus a lot of resources to try to make sure that we're always advancing the public image of this industry. Like I said, I think when I started out on this journey, and I still said it today, I, I wanted to do what little I could do to change the perspective on on insurance. I think that Which you have. I, I think with a bigger audience, we can do a lot more for that, and that's part of the, again the the thing that I'm passionate about is to is to always deliver really high quality of advice, always do the right thing all the time, and if we can do that with a bigger audience, then. I'll have fulfilled the goal of, of really changing the, uh, the, the narrative around the insurance industry. You know, I'm sitting here thinking and my mind's spinning so fast right now. And you look at uh, many of the companies in the world today are because more kids are leaving college and going to the trades or stuff. And you think about our industry, they went out and built financial planning degrees. So many of these companies are building these certificate programs where you go there, you get this certificate and then they'll ultimately hire you. Maybe that's where the insurance business has to go, where, you know, Matt Teal is running this program to get people to be specialists all over the country. And now with Zoom, you don't even have to travel, Matt. You can do it <laughs> right from home or right from this studio I, right here. I can wear my jeans. Yes. I mean, that's changed a lot. So that has changed a lot. Yes. No, no, gone are the days of ties every day in, in the insurance industry for me anyway. Me too. <laughs> I, uh, I just so all the listeners know, I fought tooth and nail to keep shirts and ties forever. And then five years ago, we lessened that rule and I never wore one again. So, <laughs> so now you have a lot of dusty ties. I, someone that was staying at our house the other day went out and needed a tie for graduation and he bought one. I said, why'd you buy a tie? I have hundreds of <laughs> Shop them. in the closet yeah, upstairs. You should have just taken one. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but I think you, you can impact a whole industry and that needs it because we have this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, that, that it's not something I've thought about, but I, I love it and I'll definitely give, give it some thought and figure out how to make it work. I think one of the things that, again, really inspires me is that it's a great industry. The financial services industry is a great industry and it's been very good to me by doing good for other people. And so it's really gratifying. And I have all sorts of stories. I mean, having worked with clients now for, as you said, 20 years, Unfortunately, you see people go through life events that are tragic and they're they're part of life. But fortunately, you also see the good that what we do brings to that situation when you see someone have a long term care event and they've done the proper planning and they can go to a better facility or stay in their home because they have the, the resources in place or the same client. Because so, I had a, a personal client that went through this long term care in place, stayed in the home ended up passing away, funded a trust for, for their special needs grandchild with life insurance, which they did not have the resources to do with their assets while passing on some money to their children, right? So that that was only made possible because of insurance, yeah. right? And, and it was part of a broader plan, including retirement income planning that they were able to live in the lifestyle they wanted to. So again, I think it's just a microcosm of, of the good that can be done in this industry. And so, you know, we're trying to bring that good to clients but now the, the way we're doing it is we're bringing it to clients through their advisors. Which is amazing. And you're, you're paying it forward big time and you can do so much more doing it that way. You know, to end it, I'll tell you, when I started in the career, I started on the insurance side. And uh, what you just said is I figured out really quickly that if you're passionate about helping people and protecting them, 
the rest takes care of itself. Then you look at the wealth managers for people to be able to retire. So on both sides, you have that. And if you do that, wow, when you lay down at night, you feel really, really good about the work you're doing for people. So I can't thank you enough for what you're doing, Matt, for number one, for our advisors, but for the greater good of the industry, you have so many people that you're impacting all over the country. I think there was a stat the other day that um, we're in 78% of the zip codes and that's due to you and your team doing such great work. So uh, really thank you again. And uh, thank you everyone for listening to Small Steps, Big Wins. Matt Teal will uh, put it when you uh, listen to this, you'll see his, all his information. So you can go out and uh, find Matt to uh, do some work with him. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for listening to Small Steps, Big Wins. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.